Hello, this is Ryan, host and executive producer of the Outer Limits of Intertruth radio show. The following program you're about to listen to was originally aired in 2014. It's about the spiritual meaning behind abortion. The reason why we're re-airing it now is because the debate over abortion, in America especially, is getting more intense. And our goal with this show was to hopefully bring about some peace and a greater understanding about this very controversial topic and issue. So, let us begin tonight's program. Welcome to the Outer Limits of Inner Truth radio show, OuterLimitsRadio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. Tonight, we are going to be diving headfirst off a 100-foot board into two feet of shallow water with our topic of discussion, which is the metaphysical and spiritual meanings behind abortion. Tonight's show is not to debate whether or not abortion is right or wrong, but to explore its deeper meaning. We're going to be speaking with six experts, and those include our virtues, Miss Carrie O'Connor, Miss Laura Lynn, Miss Lisa Caza, and Miss Constance Stellas, as well as two additional experts, which are Miss Gina Cloud and Mr. Michael Hitchborn. Over the course of my life, there were periods of time when I was entrenched and emotionally invested in being both against abortion and being in favor of abortion. Having previously been passionate about both sides of the issue, I feel it's been a blessing and it's helped me to have a clearer understanding about both sides of that perspective. I understand why people are against abortion. They feel it is a legalized act of murder against a defenseless life. They feel that it is an affront to God and they feel that by accepting that truth and not doing anything about it, they probably feel that they're failing God. They feel it is a moral obligation, moral obligation to fight it. And it seems that religion is a driving force in this position. However, there are many individuals who are atheists, agnostic, or even spiritual who do not condone this. So people who are against abortion like to refer to themselves as pro-life. And I understand that. However, I cannot understand how anyone who supports war of any kind or the killing of another human being can truly claim to be pro-life. Some individuals who are against abortion that do support war um, I think they should be called partial life or partially in favor of certain life. I understand why people are in favor of abortion. They want women who seek to have an abortion to have access to safe and competent medical care facilities and not have to put their own lives at risk by getting an abortion performed by an unlicensed medical professional. They feel that what a woman does with her own body is no one else's business but her own, and they do not wish to be infringed upon by a religious authority or a societal authority. People who are in favor of abortion like to refer to themselves as pro-choice, and I understand that. However, I can't understand how anyone can truly be pro-choice if they are in favor of any kind of law that restricts what a person does with their own body, like taking drugs or engaging in prostitution. I can't understand how a person can claim to be pro-choice and yet support any law, any organization, or any leader for that matter that imposes restrictions upon what a person can say, think, or do as long as they are not harming another human being. I think that those that do should be called partial choice or partially in favor of certain individual rights to make certain choices. At this point in my life, I neither support nor condone abortion. kind of think of it like the sky. Uh, it's there. It's always going to be there. It's not going away anytime soon. I wish to pose this question to the people who are for or against this issue. If one day you woke up and abortion was completely banned everywhere, what direct impact would that have on your life? If one day you woke up and abortion was available everywhere at any time, 
what direct impact would that have on your life? Let us begin tonight's program. Joining us now is Gina Cloud, a devoted teacher, author, speaker, women's rights advocate. Gina, I'd like to ask you, from your years and perspectives of working with women on birth control and uh, women's advocacy, what do you feel is probably one of the most misunderstood aspects about abortion from a woman's perspective? Hmm, most misunderstood. I think maybe one of the most misunderstood is the notion that it's somehow an easy choice to make. Um, I think that the the right to life movement uh, makes that assumption constantly. Um, they don't under, They don't seem to understand that it's it's a very personal choice. You know, a lot of women have already had their children. A lot of women don't want to have children. A lot of women have life-threatening issues around pregnancy, um, or maybe it's someone that they got pregnant by that they really know is not a good relationship for them and they don't want to raise a child on their own. So I think that's one of the big misconceptions is that somehow it's an easy choice to make or, and or that some women use it as birth control. I think there are some women who are irresponsible, who tend to, you know, will get pregnant and potentially do that, but I think the biggest misconception is that it's an easy choice to make. Right. In your experience, um, have you found that um, the, the women that, that have abortions, are they? Um, what is their mental state after it occurs? Is it something that would be considered a bit of a trauma? Is it something where it's like they? I mean, sometimes they make it seem like that these women they do it and they, it's like an easy choice, and you know they're, they're okay afterwards. But in your experience, you find that some of them are uh, distraught to a degree. Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's no question about it. I mean. You you do fully understand that given nine months' time, there could be another human being on the planet, you know, and that is a huge responsibility as well as the responsibility to decide not to let that process go forward. So I think that there's always, for any woman who's conscious and who has taken the time to really think about what that decision means, um, I think that it's uh, it's never an easy place to be and there's a healing you know and I firmly believe that when we do get pregnant there is a knowing that there's another soul I don't believe the soul is there yet uh, spiritual teachings you know talk, not religious but spiritual teachings talk about the notion that the soul kind of enters the body around five months when a uh, generally around the time you feel a baby move inside you and I can honestly say from having my own child that when I was about five months pregnant and the first time I did feel her move, there was a sense that, wow, she's really here now. But before it was just like an idea, like, okay, I know there's something growing in my body, but I don't really feel connected to it yet. And so the knowing that there is, um, you know, a soul coming through or potentially coming through, I think that there's a heavy there's a heaviness to that as well. So once you've made that choice not to and after you've had an abortion – there's some healing that needs to happen, not just in a woman's body, but in her in her own psyche, you know. And I and I think that it is. It's something that is not an easy choice to make. Okay. And do you feel that um, is there anything that the pro life movement does that would you consider actually uh, positive or admirable? Is there any aspects or side to them that actually do in some ways help women or are comforting to women? Or would you say that the majority of them uh, tend to be uh, negative towards any woman who's considering uh, having a, an abortion? You know, it's I'm, I'm a person who's not fond of like generalizations uh, for the most part, but 
But honestly, the way that the platform is designed and expressed in the world and what women have to encounter, I don't feel that they're generally, you know, generally, again, helpful to that decision that women are trying to make. They really try to force women to subscribe to their beliefs, which are not based in science or fact. And, uh, no, I don't, I don't think that there's really anything off the top of my head at this early hour that I can think of that they do that is supportive of women who make that choice. Okay. There's so much judgment about, what, about women making that choice, so I don't think there's any support around it. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of curious about the um, – I've always brought up this argument saying, if, you know, if you're going to be pro-life, you know, why not be pro-life across the board, across everything? What do you think the comparable difference is between um, stating that an unborn child has a right to life and then saying that somebody who's alive in waking consciousness has a right to life and then somebody who's on the battlefield has a right to life? Don't you, do you think that there should be kind of one alignment to respect all life or no life at all? Oh, that's a great question, Ryan. You know, um, I think this is a big piece of what goes on in the in the right to life movement as well, is they tend to dismiss a woman's life over that of a child. And my my stance on that, and a lot of uh, pro choice people, is it's really not a child yet. Um, it's a it's a group of cells that are multiplying at a rapid pace that eventually yes become a child. And I think that the woman's life. Um, at those stages where abortion is, is even possible, that a woman's life has more value and is more important to consider. Um, and yes, I think the honoring and valuing of all life is important, but when it comes to this particular issue, um, the, there is a choice that somehow they feel is being made. And I don't necessarily think that women who have abortions are even thinking about, you know, my life over this potential life. Uh, uh, coming into existence, and it is a potential life, as I said. Um, it, it's not a child yet, and if it were going to be a child in a matter of days or weeks, that would be a different argument, but it isn't. So I do think that valuing all life is, is the most important tenet of all, but when it comes to making that decision, I think it's the woman you know, who who literally has the right to choose her life first. Okay, now let's um let's go back to one thing about um you know whether or not a, a child or a child developing in a womb has a life. I mean, my understanding is that they they can recognize a heartbeat or brainwaves relatively early on. Uh, those would be signs and indication that a life does exist. Now, whether or not a soul is in there or not, I I don't have the resources. I don't know most people actually have the resources to tell if that it actually is occurring. Let's state the fact or the hypothetical situation that. Um, a child is alive in the early stages of pregnancy, and that a soul does exist in the early stages of infancy. Hypothetically speaking, would you consider that to be an affront to human life if um, an abortion were to occur, knowing if those facts were to be true? Would that change your perspective? Would that change a woman's perspective on it in general? Again, it's like a generalization, and, I'm, and based on that hypothetical, though, I yep. think it would change some women's opinions. I would think it would change not other women's opinions, you know, brain waves and heartbeats don't mean true life force. I mean, look at all the people that are brain dead, you know, and they, there's, a, there's, there's, there's function or there's a heartbeat on some level. doesn't mean that there's life there. And, I mean, honest to God, Ryan, mm -hmm. from that tenet that all life is valuable, I mean, people squash bugs every day. So how do we make the judgment or the determination that that bug's life is any less valuable than a human than than a than a fetus or a zygote, which is what it is in the early stages. And you know, from that hypothetical, it, I think honestly, I'm not sure that even that hypothetical 
puts any more gravitas on a woman's decision about whether to have a child or not when she's pregnant because the knowing that there is life growing, it may not be a viable human being yet, but there is an absolute knowing that something is growing inside your body and that, you know, given time it will become a human being. I think, I'm not sure that it, that it would make a huge difference um, to, to know to, within that hypothetical because I think there is a gravity to it no matter what we know because being pregnant is, I mean, it's not something men will ever know or understand, um, but it's a, it's, a, it's a powerful experience. And I don't think that most women take it lightly. And I think that when women have been trying not to get pregnant, they absolutely have the right to decide, well, somehow things didn't work out, my birth control failed, um, and I, this is not a choice I want in my life right now because the responsibility, pregnancy is easy. The responsibility of taking care of that life once it gets here, you know, that's something that I think these pro, pro-life people also dismiss is they want to treat a woman almost as if she's a host or an incubator. And, you know, I say, well, you know what, if you're so determined to make sure that that child arrives, then why isn't there some kind of a ridiculous law in the books that a woman has to host it? And then you can turn it over to the man that got her pregnant. Okay, what if men have to step up and do that? I mean, it, there's, there's this notion that women are somehow going to be enslaved that aren't ready, willing, or able. And what about women who are raped and, and, and get no. pregnant from rape? Right, you know. Right, I agree. But who uh, the pro-life movement? They they claim. I think they tend to claim to be the to have a moral high ground on the abortion issue. They say, well, listen, you know, we're very pro-life, and you know, these are these are God's laws, these are God's words. We have the moral high ground on this. Who do you feel has the moral high ground in the United States and in the world in general? Is there any particular group or individual you feel is sets a moral example for others to follow? A, a, a moral example that's, yeah, that's a like, good moral. Yeah, who, who's got the moral high ground? Who's got who's right? Who's got the who's who's got, who's holier than now? Who's got the moral high ground in this country? Who who sets the example? Do you feel? I, I'm not sure that anybody's setting the example in a in a way that I would uh, that I personally would say, oh wow, I look to that person and I feel like they are an authority. And and that terminology, moral high ground, is somewhat. Uh, I don't know. It's kind of offensive because it, it it sort of makes it sound like somebody somebody's ideas and beliefs are the right way, the only way, which takes me back to the notion of religion and why I'm not a religious person and I'm a spiritual person because a moral high ground does tend to rest within the domain of religion as far as I'm concerned. And I do feel like a lot of the struggles that we have in in the law, especially as women, are coming from from out from from religion, and their insistence that they have the moral high ground, which is not subscribed to by those of us who are not religious. Um, you know, there are there are plenty of people who aren't religious, including atheists and agnostics, and not just the spiritual people. So I don't know that I could point to anyone who has the the, the moral high ground, in my opinion, because I don't think that anybody really has the right to decide what I believe. That's a personal choice. You see, and that's exactly why I asked you that question, and I'm glad you, you answered it the way you did. Is <laughs> Gina Cloud, I really enjoyed our time and our interview. Please, what is the best way for people to learn more about you? Uh, uh, go to ginacloud.com, G-I-N-A-C-L-O-U-D.com. All right, Gina, thank you so much. Joining us now is Michael Hitchborn, who is Director of Defend the Faith, 
the American Life League. He's a devout Catholic. And Michael, I want to ask you this. What is the implication on a spiritual level of a person who has an abortion? How grave is that sin Does you feel in the eyes of God? Well, anybody who has an abortion or commits an abortion is doing what we would call – or committing what we would call a mortal sin. They kill the life of the soul within themselves, Um, and the death of the soul is the result of hell. I mean it's a a soul that dies to God departs from him and and rests in hell. Um, So – when one commits an abortion, they are, in effect, killing their own souls. Let's say they don't feel that what they did was um, a great idea, but they feel like they had to do a necessity, and maybe they heal from it. Do you still feel that that abortion will pull them into hell no matter what? It has to do with the intent of the will. Um, because, it, what, for example, in China, there's the one-child policy, and there are many, many women – who are forced to have abortions to the point of being actually strapped down in a gurney and then given sedative drugs only to wake up to find their dead baby next to them. Um, that happens when it's, when it's forced or coerced in that way, then there is no culpability on the part of the person with whom the abortion was committed. Um, it would be like an act of rape or an act of, uh, you know, killing somebody just without your power or your consent or your your intent of the will. However, an individual who directly intends to commit an abortion is giving the acquiescence of their will and giving consent to a horrific act, which does result in the death of their own soul. So, but in terms of this perspective, is this the perspective or the perspective shared by Catholics nationwide? And what are your thoughts about people who do this that are not Catholic, that are from a different affiliation? Does it matter what affiliation they are? Is this 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 like perspective? You feel the 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 law of the land, no matter what. Well, it's it is the teaching of the Catholic Church. So, regardless of whether Catholics individually believe this or not, doesn't really have any bearing on the actual truth or the the, the fact of the matter. Um, and because truth is truth, because there is you, you can't have uh, truth and non-truth on equal footing. Um, so, because truth is truth, regardless of what one believes, the fact of the matter remains. And from a a, a theological perspective, when one consents to do evil, they are doing harm to their own soul, regardless of whether they believe it or not. Well, what is the definition of evil, and how can any particular uh, individual, let alone a congregation of collective people, decree what is evil to uh, and justify that as being the banner of evil for all humanity to kind of follow? Who do you personally feel also, Michael, hold the standard bearer of morality in the world and in the country? Who do I believe to be the, the standard bearer? Yeah, who, who do you feel has the moral high ground um, in terms of what is morality? Because you're saying like, you know, when somebody conspires to do evil or mm-hmm. they know that they're doing evil, what is the definition of evil because if, in order to have a definite, definition of evil, you have to have the definition of you know all that is holy, all that is wonderful, all that is, all that is celestial. So who decrees 
what is ultimately evil and what is ultimately peaceful and loving and respectful. Well, I think that the Catholic Church holds the key to understanding all nature of evil and good. Um, the the Catholic Church, which is the continuation of uh, the Old Testament or, or the Old Covenant, um, the fulfillment of it, in fact, uh, has two two aspects. One is the um, the observational. Okay, it's it's self-evident truths. It's things that you can see through nature. It's it's what we would call the natural law and come to a conclusion about the morality or immorality of a particular act. And I think that reading any of the Greeks um, gives a good lead-up to understanding that in a theological perspective. But then there are revealed truths, which cannot possibly be known except that they be revealed by God himself. So when we look at natural law, and we think about you know the various things in the human condition that can be reasoned to uh, from a moral perspective. Uh, for instance, um, even when, even in observing children, you can see they have an inherent understanding of the nature of mine. This is mine. This belongs to me. And by extension, they have an understanding that when someone takes something that belongs to me. A wrong has been done to that individual. Something bad has happened. Now, that has to be mitigated by circumstance, which children don't necessarily understand. But there is an inherent understanding of possession and not possession, and that not possession leads to a particular moral understanding. They have an understanding of fairness. They have an understanding of harm. So when you take this to its natural perspective, you can see that in society, theft is wrong. And all societies with with laws agree, despite whatever their theological background may be, all societies agree theft is wrong. Uh, All societies agree murder is wrong. Um, So there is a natural law understanding. All right. Well, let's talk about soul for one second. Do you believe that a a person's soul is eternal, that they, they exist no matter what? Absolutely. Absolutely. And and, uh, what I was going to get to with that is that, uh, well, first of all, souls are not material. They're not physical entities, right? Um, If they're not physical, then by necessity they are not composed of parts because there are no component parts to go to them. So that's to say that they are a whole and complete substance which possesses a particular nature. So a soul is not divisible. Right, but do do we feel that a soul is is a soul uh, living... uh thing that can never be cannot be created nor destroyed, that it exists no matter what. It exists in its own nature. Okay. Uh, so there and, and there are various powers that we can observe in nature that would be a part of the soul. For instance, plants have one power of the soul, which is the nutritive power. They have the ability to take in nutrients, to grow, and to reproduce. So a plant uh, takes in nutrients from the soil, it it uh, creates nutrients from the sun, it grows, it produces a seed, and then it dies. So a plant soul is purely nutritive. Animal souls have the nutritive power also, but they also have appetites. They have sensation. They have desires. 
and in order to fulfill those desires, they have the locomotive abilities. They're able to move towards those desires. If a, if a dog is hungry, the dog is going to go towards his food dish. Um, if a bird is thirsty, the bird is going to go towards the nearest water source and drink water. Uh, so the appetitive and the locomotive powers of the soul belong to the animal kingdom. But the humans have one power above all of those which does not exist in any of the others, and that's the rational intellect. And the rational intellect, uh, because it is self-evident and self-aware, cannot die. It does not be okay. – it, it is not destroyed so with you, the body. So you said this now. Who is to say that that soul of that aborted child will not make another attempt to come into this world? Is there no chance that that soul can come back in another time, that it can come to a mother that wishes to choose to have it? Well, a lot of that has to do with your understanding of the creation of the universe, um, which is a very much larger topic. Uh, and, and the reason it has to do with that is because we have to understand what the purpose of life is. What is what is the purpose of this life? Please, what is the, what do you and, feel the purpose of this life is? I'm curious to know. <laughs> this entire cosmos, this whole reality is a scaffolding for the kingdom of God. It is the testing ground by which our souls are determined to be fit for the kingdom of God or turn in on themselves and desire hell for themselves. So that's that's the whole point of this life. Okay. And the reason abortion is so horrible is that to kill a child in the womb is to deny them even the ability to choose for themselves the riches of heaven. Well, let's take it this way. You said that you will this come back to you again. A human soul, our soul is immortal. So if it doesn't come through this time, can it not come through another time? Can it not come through another period of time uh, where the where the mother does want the child? No, because each individual soul is created with its own specific body. There is, the so, body is not merely a vehicle or a vessel. It is actually uh, a part of the nature of the human being that's created. All right, so you're saying from what you're garnering right now is that you're saying, okay, the souls are eternal. They, are, they cannot be created nor destroyed, yet they get one shot. You only get one shot. Well, they, they, are, cre they are created. They're created when, when – uh, at, at the moment of conception, God then creates a new soul. Okay, so a soul is created at the moment of conception, but that soul does not exist prior to the creation. What were to happen? What would happen if the Catholic Church would recognize reincarnation? How do you think that would potentially change things? Would that be, would that shift people's perspective on religion? Do you think? Uh, <laughs> from a psychological perspective, perhaps. But if if it were possible, and I don't believe that it is possible, but if it were possible for the Catholic Church to decree such a thing, then the Catholic Church would not be the Catholic Church. It would be the same as God denying that he existed. Uh, Michael, I want to thank you. That was a great interview. Please tell our listeners where they can learn more about you. Uh, I work for American Life League. You can uh, go to our website at www.all.org. You can also watch my online video series, which is the All Report on YouTube at all.org slash YouTube. Joining us now for another insight on the metaphysical and spiritual meaning behind abortion is globally respected psychic medium, Ms. Carrie O'Connor. You can learn more about Ms. O'Connor by going to her website at carrieoconnor.com. Ms. O'Connor, what can you tell us about abortion, um, the metaphysical, spiritual implications of it, 
And in your experience, have you ever actually come in contact with the spirits of children who have been aborted? I'm going to answer that question first. Yes, I have, and they are not angry. A lot of times I see them offering what I see as an olive branch means offering the people, the mother in particular, an opportunity to forgive herself for thinking if she thought even unconsciously that she committed some sort of sin. What I see as far as the the spiritual abortions, I don't, I'm just going to flip a subject right here. There's a woman out in California, a doctor. She teaches her women to, that are pregnant and don't want to consider, um, continue the pregnancy to go into the uterus, talk to the uterus, have it like a soul agreement saying, I don't want to have you right now come back again another time, those kind of things. 90% of those people abort. I mean, they miscarry, Ryan. They miscarry. They connect to the spirit. They have this agreement. Sometimes it's you could come in later at a better time. Other times it's I don't want to have children and something happened and I you know, messed up on my birth control. And these 90% of these women that really, really connect and get down to the heart, the, 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 the baby miscarries. And I think that's fascinating in the sense of, that we have all these rules and especially being raised Catholic when you hear abortion and you just, you know, people bombing and killing people for abortion. When I see the spiritual energy for abortion, the energy, the soul goes in and some of them know that they're going in to be aborted. And I, I saw that over and over okay. and over again. So what is the, um, what is the evolutionary, um, I guess, lesson that a, that a person or spirit goes and learns when they get aborted? When they get aborted, they had a nanosecond or let's say three months, four months, whatever, in the physical body. And to that, to us, it sounds like no time, Ryan, but to the essence and to our spirit and to our soul that has no time at all and doesn't experience time, that's all they might have wanted. So they go in with knowing that there's a high potential of the individual having an abortion and they're going to experience the abortion. It's a soul agreement for the person. And the woman can be deciding her life lesson is to be able to speak up for herself, back herself up and say, no, it's not the time for me. Or the husband left or the boyfriend left or whatever. And again, backing themselves up, being able to use their voice and to support themselves in their decision. And it doesn't make them a bad mother, doesn't make them a killer. So it's like a soul agreement between the the energy coming in. And I also, there's all these different opinions, even in the new age, when does life begin? And I see that a spark, and I saw this when I was pregnant with my two kids, moment of conception, I saw a spark of light coming in and I knew I was pregnant. I knew if it was a boy or girl, then I saw their essence and soul didn't come into the physical body until a couple weeks after she, she or he was born. And I saw that with a lot of people. So here it's like our essence and our soul is not connected to the, to our, to the body. And even though the physical body could have a heartbeat at, you know, 12 weeks and all these different things that shows growth in life. So people think, you know, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm killing that the soul and essence is eternal. It's immortal. And it does not go back into the uterus. The moment of, I mean, it goes down to that confined state, the moment of conception, they could check it out, but it's, it's doing its thing in other dimensions. Okay. So, well, what about, there's another form of abortion. It's called a partial birth abortion. And the reason why I bring this thing up is because it's, it seems on the surface to be pretty barbaric. And just the fact that it happens so late in a pregnancy and the fact yeah. is that there are children that are born prematurely um, that are yeah. alive and healthy, and those children that are able to be alive and okay um, experience this procedure. And I was calling – I was wondering if there's a difference between a woman who decides early on to terminate her pregnancy as opposed to somebody who decides at that late of a stage to do it and to do sure. it in that particular fashion. Is there a different energy or a different uh, karmic 
uh, implications for doing it like that. You know, as uh, Ryan, as hard as that is to imagine, my cousin had a baby born at 29 or 27 weeks, so 25 and a half. That's as far as in New York and other states that you can have a, an abortion, right? And um, it's it's kind of like I've, I've seen both sides of this, right? And I also had a friend that didn't know she was pregnant and then had a very late state abortion. As far as answering your question, from what I see, it's still a karmic agreement, and we want to put an opinion on it because it's the date and how far along it is and all the other stuff. But when I just take my mind and emotion and just read the energy patterns, the soul knows that it's a very high potential that that's going to be happening. And remember, when the, the inc- they're having the procedure, the soul leaves. Just like when I see a car accident or murder, the soul leaves and the physical shell goes through the procedure. Does that spirit, what is the purpose of that spirit? Does that spirit hang around them for the rest of their life? Is that spirit a positive or a negative um, guide to them? I've seen it happen different ways. Sometimes I've seen that the spirit comes in and it's a guide. Sometimes I see that the energy comes in the next child. Okay. I've seen it where the, the, um, the spirit, the energy comes in and guides other children. So there's all different scenarios. And other times I see that they just take off and it was just their sole agreement to have the experience. Okay. And have you ever come across an experience where the uh, water child is actually very upset and uh, holds – you know, a lot of uh, negative emotions towards the mother for depriving it of its chance to live a full physical life? I've not seen that. And when you, when I read your email, I knew we were going to question that. I really went through that and I had, like scanned different places and I've not seen that. It still goes back to soul agreement. And I actually I do have to say, I saw one thing where it looked like the spirit or the child was angry. But when I look deeper in it to it, it was the mother's emotions and attachments. It's almost like she, not almost. She literally put so much energy, and she was beside herself from having the experience. She created all this black anger energy at the child. And so, when I look deeper, or the, the, at the, the spirit, when I look deeper, it was more of her emotions than the um, the energy of the spirit itself. So, it's not my experience of seeing anybody coming in and being all mad and and uh, wanting to haunt them or anything like that. Okay, and. The pro-life movement uh, tends to uh, – the pro-life movement likes to say that they believe that life is sacred and they believe in the sacredness of life and that all life should be respected. So I want to know what is the comparable difference to a woman who decides to have an abortion compared to somebody who decides to um, take the life of a human being, like say for example, you know, younger child, older person. What is the comparable difference in terms of um, the karmic resolutions and the impact of it? As far as the karmic, Brian, again, I see it's between the the woman and the soul that comes and incarnates. And I just I, I keep on thinking of my cousin where his child was born and his wife was told, "Do not, do not, do not, under any circumstances," because her first pregnancy was um, preeclampsia. She was very, very sick. She almost died, and they said. You have a 99.999%, chance of being preeclampsic and delivering at 25, 26 weeks old. She did do that, and he's got a tracheotomy. He's got he's blind. He's been the first five years in the hospital. And so you think, like, what is her responsibility there? It's almost like she committed almost like a soul murder there, knowing that that was going to be the experience, right? So when I go back to the the question, I see that it's, as far as the karmic agreement between the person or murdering a child that's five years old or seven years old is very different from 
an agreed upon before they incarnate, before the woman even incarnates, that she's going to reach a, page, a stage in her life where she has the potential of getting pregnant. And if she does get a potential, of get, if she does do that, then she's going to have a choice. And so it's we, we map out our, our life, not to the nano uh, management, but we do map out a path where we're going to have life experiences. The experience of uh, murdering a child, I'm sure that's part of the potential too, but... I see. It's, it's, it's like on two different levels. If I can explain. That. Okay, so like you're basically saying that uh, when you when the issue of abortion, that the child and the mother kind of like maybe know ahead of time that this is something that was going to take yeah. place, whereas a murder of an individual is something that maybe not have been expected, or yes. or it may be something that um, an energy that the person manifests as a result of their yeah. actions in this life. Yes, that it was all a lot more tubes or agreements had to be lined up, and then it was. Uh, choice and a free, I mean, it really, a lot more things have to line up when it is, goes into before the nine months, it's more of an agreement between this, the soul and the, and the mother. Okay. And I'm just curious. I mean, this is something where people tend to think about or say that if something is very negative or dark, they consider that to be evil. Mm -hmm. Um, and I know there's another definition of the metaphysical fronts, but if you were to say that, uh, we're talking about, an abortion of a child, the murder of a small child, or the murder of an adult, what do you think of all those three in any particular order carries the greater degree of evilness or the greater um, weight of karmic repercussions? Well, the human side, I think, of all of us would say, or most of us would say, the child, the innocent child that was murdered versus the older person in the in the um pre-born person right but we're trying to put in definitions and put things in boxes that are much bigger than that it's like the karmic repercussions right it's very individual right so let's say the person has a soul agreement and let's say the guy murders the um a guy but they murdered the person in the past and so they had a high thing of that they were going to experience murder or getting murdered because that was part of their, their experience they murdered a lot in the past there's always a balancing part right so it's Hard for me to put it into that this soul is, it's like an ABC um, um, category that you could put it in. This one is the, the worst. This one is the best. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. And do you feel that the, um, the, this, the abortion debate, where do you think that's going to go in the in not only the United States but the world? Is this, is this something that will always be a constant struggle and battle on earth? Or do you feel that, that will one day there will be a resolution that everyone will agree upon? I see as the more we understand that we are energetic beings and everything is energy, including the, essence, the energy that goes into a pregnancy, and that you can say, hey, I, I want to release this energy. I, I made a mistake or I messed up or my birth control is wrong. I see it's more going toward that agreement. And I do see there's a piece or, or um, we reach some sort of, let's say, truce, but it does start with where people being able to Again, release their soul agreement, soul, their soul contract. They, they d decide to discontinue the pregnancy. Uh, this woman has been doing this for 35 years. And again, 90% of the women don't, they have a miscarriage naturally. And so it just shows me that how much the, the energy is in agreement with it. If they say, okay, I'm, I'm agreeing to go and to leave this, this body because we're not attached to, the hot subject of abortion. It's between the individual, the couple, and the soul that came in. Wow. It's, it's, it's multi-leveled.
Mr. O'Connor, that was really amazing and, um, again, fascinating, mind-blowing, everything you want to call it that. So, Mr. Kerry O'Connor, that was great. Thank you so much. And to learn more about Mr. O'Connor, please go to our website at kerryoconnor.com. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you, Ryan, as always. Joining us now for a deeper perspective about abortion is Ms. Laura Lynn, globally respected psychic medium. You can learn more about Ms. Lynn by going to her website at angelreader.net. Ms. Lynn, what are your thoughts about abortion on a metaphysical and spiritual level? Thank you, Ryan. This is such a sensitive subject. I was totally against abortion for so many years of my life. And I, I just, and the reason was not, it wasn't about the life because I knew the baby at that time, my religious beliefs was the baby would go to heaven and everything would be okay there. But it was about what the baby would go through as far as the pain of being actually aborted. And I was actually part of the force of the right to life movement. And I, I did, I had such a personal conviction about it because of the pain. And I just, I would imagine that child, that baby being just, you know, literally torn apart. And to me, it was just beyond, it, it was, I, comprehension why this could even be legal and you know later in my life i've always been very spiritually attuned and through through years of reconciling this issue i i really went into deep meditation about it asking why why it could happen i had a sister who got pregnant very early and it was never a question in her mind that she was going to give the, the baby up for adoption. I've never met my niece yet, my biological niece, and I hope to do, to meet her someday. And I'm glad she's here. And I'm glad my sister made the decision for her to be here. But I also had to reconcile my thoughts with friends that I knew that had abortions, people in my life that had, that had to make that critical decision in their life, you know, a very difficult decision. And so, I, I asked spirit, you know, what, what happens? What, what is it that can help me understand this in a, in a different level? And through that, I never got answers directly in meditation, but then I started, as I started doing readings and started looking at life in, in a little bit different spiritual way, I did start tapping into people, um, during the readings, it said, I, I sense a baby here. I sense a child. And, you know, I would capture very quickly, oh, the child was aborted. I would hear it or feel it. And then I would start going into my channeling. And then then all, then all of a sudden, the child's talking to me. The child's still part of the mother. And, the, and she's still, she or he's still learning from the mother. And the child's going to come back when it's time. And then I started asking, you know, the child, why are you here? What, what, why aren't you in heaven? You know, this is early when I was giving readings and they said, well, this is my heaven. This is my mother. This is the energy I want to be with. And so during those years and to the point where I am now, I've come to an understanding that's completely different than where I was at. I still think there needs to be some laws changed. I feel like there is some decisions that is still uh, very, um, you know, to be able to get an abortion at so many weeks or, you know, to uh, it, there's some things that I still have a problem with myself understanding. 
However, on a spiritual level, I do feel like there's there's reasons for everything and that that baby, that soul is going to come back, come back in a, maybe a more appropriate time. Um, maybe there was a decision that the child learned that child learned or did learn that there is going to be something critical in their life that's going to take them off the path. And they decided that this isn't the time. And it was a contract perhaps that the mother and the child had that said, this is going to be the, the start of the soul evolution on this earth plane this time around. And then I will come back at a later time, perhaps through a family member or a different family entirely, but there's going to be learning between the, the host, the mother and the, and the baby energy. Right, so now these souls that uh, have been aborted, do you understand that they have they experienced a considerable amount of pain through the process? Yes, they, there is pain. There, there's not always pain. I mean, sometimes I believe that spirit allows that, I don't know, for them to go into an unconscious manner. But there is, to me, the central nervous system is already starting. It's intact. So there is conscious pain that is involved. Okay. Now, um, with these spirits that uh, the aborted children, uh, uh, do you ever come across any of them that are calling for vengeance, that are very upset or very distraught that they didn't get an opportunity to, um, I guess, complete their physical uh, development and that physical form and that particular body at that particular moment in time? Well, the one thing that I found interesting, and this just happened a few months ago, I was at a house where I was investigating a, a home where they were hearing sounds that sounded like puppies. And I, I was investigating in this one room and it, and it was really interesting because the, the floor was painted red and that, that was just like odd in itself. And I asked if this was a doctor's home and she said, yes, it was. And as I was in the basement, I realized that the doctor performed illegal abortions there probably during the 1920s or 30s. And there was souls of these children within the home and I was, I was just taken back because I was like, well, why aren't the souls with the mother like I've always learned? And the, the, this case, the children that were here, and I can't tell you how many there were, they were, they were in this perpetual space. And I don't know if I was tapping into residual energy or if I was tapping into the soul of a con- very much conscious being. I felt like they were conscious beings though and I so I what I did was I worked with some angels and I, I asked the the children to go with the angels and to find that inner peace and inner light that they are part of the higher consciousness and they do have light within them and the the room just felt so clear and beautiful afterwards. It was completely a, a very profound experience for me and for the woman who lives in the home. Um, so there are times it seems that these beings or these children can be uh, stuck, if you will. Um, and so that's something I need to think about how to work with uh, on, a, uh, on a higher conscious level to help those, those children find their way. Have you ever come across an experience where you have an extended family and one member of that particular family decides to terminate the pregnancy? Have you ever come across an experience where that soul that spirit of that child has come in the physical form of another member of that family because my yes. understanding okay mm-hmm. that is the idea that there is something called a group soul evolution or clusters of souls that come in and evolve 
So you think that's entirely possible that if you know if your sister, say for example, says, "Listen, you know this is not this is not working out," and you have someone else in the family, they decide to have the baby, that that could, same thing could happen. Yes, I I have seen it over the years where I've seen the child come back into a family, and I predicted that it would come back, and within a certain amount of years, the child energy and, and indeed it has. And I found that again, it was a timing issue. Uh, you know, maybe that child would have had a critical uh, accident that would have crippled the, not only the child but the whole family. You know, maybe some, they found there's something there on a timeline that that child and I feel and I feel like it usually is on the child's timeline that there's something critical. I don't feel like it's usually about the host, the mother. I think it's about the child's energy, why the um, the the stop of the their life evolution would go forward. And do you find that there um, there are people who've um, spirits who are, are are aborted? Do you find that uh, they could be doing that in order to, I guess, settle karma debt from a previous life? Do you find that um, any majority of those souls there had lived a previous life where they were maybe horrible to people, or they they needed to? It, it, that is one that is one answer that makes sense to me. Um, you know, and I'm never I. I, on the surface level, has thought that through, but I've never went deep into it in meditation, so I can't tell you comfortably on a metaphysical level if it's, it's factual or not. To me, on a surface level, it makes a lot of sense. Okay. Um, and I'm just curious. Are you familiar with partial birth abortion? Yes. Okay. Do you find that – is there anything in that – as um, that would be considered a positive. I mean, it seems like to be a pretty like barbaric type procedure, and I just didn't know if there was anything that that is celestial or positive about fighting for a person's right to have it. And you mentioned before. I'm sorry. You know, let me rephrase this question, La. At what point during a pregnancy do you feel is Maybe too far or too late in order to terminate a pregnancy. Like, when do you feel is that is for the greater health of a child and to give the child the least amount of pain? Well, here's my my issue with this is well, I'm not a doctor, so I can't tell you or a scientist. I can't tell you when the nervous system is actually intact and where a child can feel pain. I don't know that that any of us has that answer, so I don't know to me of why it's legal. I mean, if we are not allowed to murder a person, to me these are individual souls and that are people indeed. So, But on the other hand, I understand that women have rights and that it is a woman's body that this 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 baby, the the seed and the the whole energy is held. I, I don't have a comfortable answer for you because I don't know the answer scientifically. I just feel like once a child's at that point, that that child's already holding a soul energy with a plan because the plan at that point is survival. And they kick and scream for to survive. And for us to take that away from them, I think, is barbaric. Miss Laura Lynn, thank you so much. That was a very um, incredible insight that you just provided for us. So to learn more about Miss Lynn, please go to her website at angelreader.net. Thank you so much, Miss Lynn. Thank you, Ryan. Joining us now for another perspective about abortion is our astrologer, Ms. Constance Dellis. We can learn more about her by going to her website at ConstanceDellis.com. Ms. Dellis, 
what can you tell us from your years of insight about the metaphysical and spiritual implications of abortion? Uh-huh. Um, first of all, no woman or as a family, if that ever happens, uh, goes into the issue of abortion lightly. Even if they say, oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's a lie. It's a big deal. However, and this is disregarding any political affiliation or or you know what it means right to life it, this is this is the pure uh facts spiritually speaking of um a fetus and a uh an embryo astrology teaches us that we can make a chart called a conception chart even though pinning pinpointing the day or the time it may be a little bit different uh, difficult, but the first three months of this conception chart is purely a physical event: cells div- div- dividing and making more cells that then grow into a baby. Along about the third month, the beginning of the third month, quickening is the term occurs. And this is thought to be the entry of the soul into the physical plane. Um, can I say exactly when it happens? Like, oh yeah, nine o'clock. This is no, I cannot, and no one can. But this is the metaphysical or the spiritual teaching. So qualitatively, it is a different event if someone ends a pregnancy or a pregnancy is ended before uh, the, 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 the beginning of the third month. Um, and that does seem to cor- uh, correspond to some things that people are saying politically, but that's not where I'm coming from. Okay. Now there's another issue here, which is the soul itself. It is possible that an incarnating soul comes to leave very quickly and even prior to birth for you would say, well, why would anybody want to do that? Well, we don't really know because they're not around to be interviewed on, on radio or television, but um, the, 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 the lesson or the um, incarnation or the energy of the soul uh, either requires or asks or would benefit from that experience. That is not to say that somebody can say, oh, okay, fine, I don't want to have this baby, and this baby probably did. You know, you you can't be um, at all cavalier with this subject uh, and with, of course, the event. But it is possible that a uh, a soul comes to experience the beginning of an incarnation and then the dramatic stopping of that incarnation. Then you have other scenarios when, in terms of attack, you know, other things going on. Uh, so what I would like to say in general is that for all babies that are born, you can make a conception chart and you can um, also trace the progress of um, of the of the pregnancy and then the birth and any um, and also uh, um, problems health problems psychological problems leading up through the first nine months um, on Earth so that's kind of interesting and um, the uh, in the case both of uh, an aborted fetus or a child that dies at birth. 
um, all of which are, you know, scenarios that are heartbreaking to, to parents and doctors and family members, uh, the soul may have chosen that. Um, and we don't know exactly why, but that's how it went down, and that's how it comes down. So it's, you know, life and death is what we have here on Earth, and there are many variations uh, of how that happens. All right. Now, this the the raging debate about abortion has been happening in this country, in the United States, for a very long period of time, and you have people yes. who are very passionate on both sides, pro-life and pro-choice. Sure. Is there any comparable difference that you see on a metaphysical and energy level between either either of these two particular opposing sides? Does any of them hold a higher position of righteousness? Does any of them hold a um, higher position of being metaphysically correct in their positions? Um, I would say neither, no, and that's not waffling because I believe that it is the intention behind the event. Um, in Japan which is not a Christian country, although there are some Christians there, um, it, is, um, and it is quite common uh, for women to have abortions uh, as a method of birth control. I mean, it's really not too uh, <laughs> healthy, but also in Japan, there is a shrine and a temple to all unborn children. And from... Um, not personal experience, but people have told me that any any woman that has an abortion um, participates in a ritual to, I say, calm the spirit or also calm her own spirit. So was that good? Is that bad? Is that killing life? You could go on and on and on. But the intention behind that is that something that we recognize as life was interrupted. And that has to be um, prayed for, um, spiritualized, uh, no matter what the, uh, the earth reason for that woman or that family ending uh, a pregnancy is. So I, I think that uh, everyone's uh, intention truly comes into play here. And the, I hate to use this word, but the karma of the mother as well as the karma of the to-be-born child. Okay, so it, do you feel that with abortion happening, that that is more of, of a karmic agreement that could have been decided way ahead of time? Maybe? Absolutely. It, it definitely okay. could, and it could be an accident, you know? We love to think that uh, everything's all tidy on the other side, but accidents do happen. Whereas, like, the and spirit gets here, and it's like, you know what, I'm not ready for this, or I don't want to do this. Perhaps. Okay. Perhaps. I mean, I, I have had clients who uh, were giving birth, and the whole childbirth labor thing was was really tough. And you, 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 I could, you could see that this child didn't want to show up. You know, eventually the, the kid did come, and it's interesting to see how they waited uh, for uh, the, an appropriate time. But, you know, in, in cases of one-day, two-day labor, this child's working some things out before they get here. Wow. So and in your experience, have you ever uh, come across children that if they, if they don't make it the first time if they're aborted that they they get another chance to come in can 
do they uh, is that what tends to happen or if they if they get aborted do they tend to wait until the second You know, I don't know. I I suppose that's a good question, but I haven't uh, you know really um uh encountered that when I felt I mean what what when you ask a question I think of of twins and it, it is quite common and I think medicine might agree with this. I'm not sure about this that uh, sometimes there are two um, in utero fetuses and one is live and, and is born and the other one is not, but but has been uh, alive. So that might be that kind of scenario, but I don't have any, you know, personal astrological experience of that. Okay. And, uh, Things are complicated in this sure. realm. And yeah, one more final question um about abortion is that do you see that this will be something that people will be debating and discussing for generations and hundreds of years to come? Will this be – is this debate and this issue something that um, is, a, is part of our physical life here? Well, yeah, it's quite culturally specific. We are the country that has the raging debate. Other countries, it's not like they say, oh, yeah, sure, what the heck. Nobody says that. But the the debate has been politicized and crystallized and um, uh, pulled apart in, in this country more than in other countries. I mean, of course, in Catholic countries up to now, I mean, now it's changed. It just wasn't an issue because it didn't happen legally, you know. So there, there's that. But... This country is the the one that is the most um, invested in, 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 in the debate. So you think this could be going on for a long time, though? Maybe I do, I do, and um, I think really in the big future, you know, let's say 50 years from now, things like this become a question of demographics and population control, and we already see the spill out of this in China. You know, when you have you have you know girls not quite making it to to birth because of the one-child rule, um, that may become purely because the planet can only support so many people an issue, um, uh, and it won't be called abortion. It'll be called I don't know family planning or something. Okay, Miss um, Constance. That was a really um, great and in-depth analysis and insight. We really appreciate it. And to learn more about Ms. Constance Stellis, please go to our website at ConstanceStellis.com. Thank you so much, Constance. My pleasure. Joining us now for another insight on the spiritual meaning behind abortion is globally respected psychic medium, Ms. Lisa Kaza. You can learn more about Ms. Kaza by going to her website at Lisa, L-I-S-A, Kaza, C-A-Z-A dot com. Ms. Kaza, what can you tell us about abortion and what can you tell us about the souls of the babies that are aborted? Well, this one took me a while, but I, I got some answers that I wasn't expecting. Okay. Um, now, as we know, spirits usually, like, they, they always choose what parents that they wish to be born to. But what I didn't know until yesterday was that all these spirits, too, usually choose approximately, this is a new one for me, 25 lessons 
for for them to uh, realize throughout their particular lifetime. But I've been told that, like in the case of, for just for example, um, when a woman miscarries, mm-hmm. well, apparently those spirits, they've only chosen two or three for whatever reason, two or three of those lessons. The main one being that of unconditional love, and those lessons were already fulfilled in the womb, and this leads to the miscarriage. But now, abortion is different. Now, because each spirit chooses parents and they can see the life path of them, the spirit knows that there will be a good chance that it won't have the opportunity to fully manifest in this lifetime. So this comes down to the free will of the mother. Um, The spirit, like I say, would have known that there was the possibility that the mother wouldn't be able to bring it into fruition for whatever the reason. So I'm questioning that I believe that it's coming down to a life lesson for the mother. So it's like that spirit still had a purpose of going to those parents regardless because my belief is that everything does happen for a reason, even divinely speaking, reasons that we don't know. And so this is my take on it is that these little wee baby spirits are actually angels in disguise trying to give that particular mother some sort of life lesson in the, in, 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 uh, in the process of this. Now, as far as where do the spirits go afterwards, um, the knowledge of this brought me to tears. And I'm going to try and hold back the tears. Um, it doesn't matter. Now, this is important, okay? For all mothers out there who have maybe even experienced a loss, I want them to hear very carefully. Whether it's a miscarriage or an abortion, it does not matter. Those spirits will remain with the mother in in an energetic level to be either reborn again or to be reunited uh, when when it's time for for the mother to to pass on. The children are always with us, and the reason that like and I, I, this resonates with me so very strongly. I realized I didn't get any of these messages until yesterday when I went into meditation for the show. It brought me into tears because I will divulge some personal information this this time is that many years ago I had a uh, what's called an incomplete miscarriage. And as a result of what had to happen was I was never going to make it full term. I was only 12 weeks, but I was hemorrhaging, and I wasn't going to make it. So the doctors stepped in, and they had to abort the, the pregnancy. So I was just in, I was distraught very distraught at the, with the loss. And the thing is, two years later, I got pregnant with my twin girls. And I had always believed that they were a gift from God because essentially I was given what I had lost. I had lost two children. I was given back two children. And the two children that I did lose, they were in fact girls. I got my two girls back. 
So with that being said, I fully believe with all my heart and soul that my personal experience that I just gave you is fully representative of the messages that I was given yesterday, that the spirits of those babies remain with us until either one, they get reborn, or we get reunited on the on the other side. Right. And do you ever have you ever come across an experience where the um, the the uh, life energies or the border children have are calling for vengeance to the mother that deprived them of their ability to experience a full life? No. No, never, never. I have never ever no, because God doesn't make bad. And they don't have, they, it's it's a pure living spirit. It's a spirit. And they don't have, like, and it's goodness. So they don't have emotions such as anger or resentment or hate or vengeance or anything like that. They're all, I'm, I'm picking up truly out of just unconditional love, warmth, and gentleness. That's all I pick up. Uh, so they're just uh, so they're just they're just there. They're pure spirits. It doesn't matter. And I'm just curious, from what you're saying at a metaphysical energy level, do you feel that uh, women who do go through the process of getting abortion, do you think that there's a lack of public sympathy for them or greater empathy that um, should, that more people should give them more um, or love or attention that they're they're suffering a lot that maybe is going unnoticed? There's a fine line with that, right? Okay. And I'll say that yes to a certain degree, but then no to another degree. And the reason why I say that is due to um, irresponsibility. Okay? So, you know, it, it depends on the circumstances. So if, let's say, someone uh, that went through something like I did, or someone who was raped, or maybe it's someone who knows that the child isn't going to be born perfect. Maybe he's going to have some very serious um, malformation or, or whatever, and they know that they wouldn't be able to handle it or something to that effect. Those kinds of situations, yes, more sympathy and more respect does need to be put out there. But when it comes to, and this is something that me too, I have a hard time with, if a woman continuously gets pregnant over and over and over and over again and continuously gets an abortion after another after another, I do not have sympathy for that. It angers me. It would anger me. So something like that. That's what I mean. Like it, it's a, it's a, it's a, a line has to be drawn. The circumstances have to be weighed. Uh, for the most part, yes, a lot of people do need more love and sympathy. But for those select few that go overboard and have that irresponsibility about them, that's that's where I have a very difficult time. Um, it's Lisa Kaza. Um, really, thank you for that uh, really great and in-depth analysis. And to learn more about Ms. Kaza, please go to her website at Lisa, L-A-S-A, Kaza, C-A-Z-A dot com. Thank you so much, Ms. Lisa Kaza. Oh, thank you for having me. All right, that concludes tonight's episode of the Outer Limits of Inner Truth radio show. 
Thank you so much for our great guests and for our unbelievable virtues. Miss Carrie O'Connor, Miss Laura Lynn, Miss Lisa Caza, and Miss Constance Ellis. To learn more about our show, please visit our website at outerlimitsradio.com. Until the next time we meet again, my friends, wishing upon you infinite peace, love, and beers. Have an unbelievable rest of the night, and thank you so much for joining us.